Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,388. This week on Cars Yeah, I'm celebrating the inaugural Chattanooga Motor Car Festival that takes place October 11th, 12th, and 13th here in 2019 at the Westin Hotel in Chattanooga's West Village. If you want to learn more or attend this event, go to ChattanoogaMotorCar.com. Success is 99% perspiration and 1% inspiration. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right, 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom-patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics, styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest. Calling in from VW headquarters here in the United States, Mark Gillies. Hey, Mark, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am. All right, good to have you here. Mark Gillies is uh, the title sponsor, actually the company he works for, Volkswagen, is the title sponsor, at the inaugural Chattanooga Motor Car Festival that takes place October 11th, 12th, 13th at the Westin Hotel and Chattanooga's West Village. He's a lifelong automotive enthusiast whose career as a journalist included editing supercar classics and car magazines in the UK, both cars magazines I've subscribed to in the past, before arriving in the States in 1995. He became executive editor of Automobile and Car and Driver magazines. Eight years ago, he moved into the PR department at Volkswagen, and he is currently head of product communications for the North American region. Mark has owned a number of interesting vehicles and has raced a number of great old cars for collectors over the years, and he and his son own and drive a 1992 Golf GTI race car. That sounds like something fun to do with your son. Mark, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Before we jump into the questions, would you share a little bit more about your career and a very obvious passion that you have for automobiles? Yeah, I mean, I grew up in a a household where my dad always had cars, and some kids get affected by that, but that and others don't, and I did, obviously. Um, I did a fairly useless degree at uh, college and then, you know, was on leaving college, was looking for a job and, you know, I thought about automotive journalism. So I ended up working initially for Classic and Sports Car Magazine in England and then progressed to Autocar Magazine. Obviously, I'd moved to Supercar Classics and Car 
that was great for me because I love writing, I love driving, and actually I love you know I loved editing magazines and putting magazines together. And came to the states in '95. I rang Jean Lindemood as she then was at Automobile, and sort of was like you know I'm thinking of relocating uh, some you know to the states because I'm doing a lot of work for uh, I was doing a lot of work for a Japanese company. I was sort of running out of cars in England, and she basically said, um, do, you, "Do you want a job?" So that's how I ended up in uh, in the states and worked for uh, her and David E. Davis for ten years, and then went to Car and Driver for six. Then I, you know, uh, ended up out, sort of out on the street at Car and Driver due to various reasons, and a friend arranged an interview um, with the head of Volkswagen Communications because they were looking for somebody for, for Bentley at the time. And the long and short of it was. They liked me, but not for that job. And, and when a job came up, when they were reorganizing Volkswagen's PR organization back in uh, eight years ago, Tony Savone, who is now the head of GM Communications, but was then the EVP at Volkswagen, uh, asked me if I wanted to join. And it's been great. I really enjoy it. I mean, you know, as a lifelong car enthusiast, I was on the outside looking in. And, you know, I was, I was always observing how the sausage was made and, and now I actually know how the sausage was made. And no, it's great. I mean, I really enjoy it. Got a great, great team of people I work with, great bunch of people at Volkswagen here and great bunch of people that I deal with in Germany as well. So uh, it's, chal- it's challenging, it's hard work, but it's pretty exciting and fast moving as well. No doubt, no doubt. And I, I know in our pre-show chat, um, I get the daily news roundup from News Press, and I noticed that uh, you guys had a nice almost 10% increase in August sales year over year. So congratulations to you and all the team there at Volkswagen for doing that. Uh, fantastic job. Um, Volkswagens go back in my history a long way. My first so-called sports car was a Karma Gia. I called it my poor man's Porsche, but uh, to me, it was something pretty special. And I I told uh, Mark that uh, my wife and I, the first new car we ever bought was a Volkswagen Jetta GLI, and I had that car for nine or ten years. It was a fantastic car, great car to get started, young family. Uh, Drove it quite a few miles, so I love that. Well, as we continue on your journey, Mark, I want to ask you for a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on cars. Yeah, so Mark, grab the wheel. So I always say success is 99% perspiration and 1% inspiration. And I think that's an Einstein quote, if I'm not paraphrasing it badly. And obviously, he was a genius. So I I don't have that much inspiration, but I work hard. So um, that's the main thing. I think Um, that's the advice I'd always give to anybody who wants to do anything. You know, they've got a goal in life and you've got some vague talent to do it. Just, you know, work, work your backside off and things generally turn out. I mean, sometimes they don't, but it's it's probably the, uh, the the thing I live by anyway. Well, I think one of the additions to that is half of the job is just showing up. And uh, having run a, a mid-sized business as I did in the past with a lot of employees, sometimes you'd have employees that couldn't even show up. You're like, you know, you just have to show up. I mean, come on, just get here. I bought a lot of alarm clocks for people. How it used to be kind of my gig. If somebody couldn't get to work on time, I'd buy them an alarm clock, wrap it very nice, invite him in my office and say, I'd like to give you something. Would you like me to show you how to use this? And that usually got the message across pretty darn good. Uh, I got a few uh, red-faced folks, but uh, they got the message across. Just show up, you know what? And then when you're here, yeah, work hard. Uh, It's as simple as that. Uh, My dad taught me that. I think his uh, farm mentality growing up on a farm was, uh, you know, if you can't be smarter than the guy next to you, you can certainly outwork him. 
Well, let's uh, talk about a story that instigated this personal passion you have for cars, working as a journalist for so many years, and then going and working uh, to see how the sausage is made. I like the way you put that at Volkswagen there. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew that you were going to be a car guy? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, I basically, from a very early age, you know, my dad would go to Silverstone to watch vintage cars racing, and I must have done it from being knee high to a grasshopper, basically. I mean, so I, I don't, I, I don't, it was just one of those things, you know, I was, I was just into cars from a, a very early age and just liked them. And I think the key thing with me that sort of really got me into it was that I loved reading when I was a kid. My dad had a pretty good motoring library. So, you know, one of the things I did was I read about cars and it, it's always a little bit I don't know what the word is. It's, it's always a little bit mildly depressing to me when I when I come across, you know, automotive journalists who don't know anything about history because, you know, there's plenty of books that tell you, you know, who designed which car. You know, you say to go, go past a 1914 Grand Prix Peugeot and you'll say, oh, you know, this is a really significant car because it was like the first. In 1912, uh, Ernst Henry and his team, they built the first four-valve twin-cam thing and people just look at you as if you're an alien. But that's the kind of thing I knew when I was, growing up and it's it's you know there's and there's been so many you know you look at automotive there are so many great designers and engineers and industrialists and and i think the other thing about cars is you know particularly when you you go around a car factory or whatever you you look and you see the it's an industrial endeavor that's pretty epic at the end of the day you know it's not that difficult um, to build a cell phone once you've got the chip technology, it's really difficult to build a car. You know, even even just building a car in a garage from from a kit of bits is pretty hard work. So, you know, that's what I always think. So. Well, you'll you'll like this, Mark. Um, the first what I call real book my parents ever bought me a hardbound book with a hardcover, like a real book when I was a little little kid, was a book by Ian Fleming. I'm sure you're familiar with who that guy is. He's written a few. Uh, storylines uh, around some guy named James Bond, or I should say Bond, James Bond. And uh, his book about, do you, do you know a book he wrote about a specific car? Do you know where I'm going with this? No, not really. <laughs> some people are quite surprised when I say this. Chitty Chitty Bang oh, Bang. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. He wrote yeah, that yeah. book. Yeah, should be. yeah, yeah. That was my first car, my first real car book. I still have it. Of course, it's kind of falling apart because I read that thing so many times. I, I felt so grown up. I must have been six or seven years old, I think, at the time. So uh, that was my first car book. But I know what you mean, you know, and being a journalist, especially in these days, there's so many things that you can look up. And I was just recently at a major Concord event, and I was reading on the plane ride home about uh, one of the stories. And I kind of furled my brow and went, I don't think this is accurate. They were talking about engines and I'm not even an expert in that specific mark but what I went online and looked it up and I went who wrote this I mean this is completely wrong and more so who edited it uh, to correct it because if I caught it somebody that was much more knowing than me should have caught it so yeah there's no excuses these days there's way too much information out there for us to uh, go and seek but beware as they say it could be wrong and maybe this particular author looked in the wrong place well, I would love for you to take us down a road that you traveled down in your life and your career that was a big challenge or even a big failure for you. And and the reason I drum this uh, little bit of misery back up is the fact that a lot of listeners are dealing with things. Everybody's dealing with something. And maybe something that you dealt with that turned out being a positive and a good learning lesson is something you can share with us today. So take us down that road. 
Tell us how a specific experience helped you gain even more momentum as you move forward in your career and your business and your life. Yeah, I think well, I was back in 1991, the Supercar Super Classics and Car um, were owned by a small publishing company called FF Publishing. It was two guys, and one of them wanted to sell the company out to the employees and the other one wanted to sell out for as much money as he could and in the end they ended up selling out to Murdoch to Murdoch magazines who basically ran it into the ground and you know came up with some half-baked accounting that showed we were losing you know millions of pounds a year and I was in a position where we tried to do a buyout and we were very very close to uh, sorry and then Murdoch sold it to EMAP so who owned Carter nowadays or used to own Carter I tried to buy it off EMAP and I had two or three people willing to back us, but EMAP basically pulled the plug the day before the contract was due to be signed. So as a result of that, I went freelance and it was, uh, it was really good because I did, um, I was basically an agency for uh, a Japanese company, basically putting out a magazine or the vast majority of a magazine for them. The great thing for me was that I was basically a syndication agency. So I ran my own business and, you know, it, turned, it wasn't like mega turnover or anything like that, but it was very good for organizing myself. I mean, I got very organized. That was one thing. I got very efficient. I made sure that all the people who worked for me were paid on time as opposed to 60 days or 90 days later. Um, and I got some, you know, lifelong friends out of it basically because, um, you know, some of the, some of the guys I employed to do the photography and write the words were, you know, just became friends as a result. But, it, it, you know, in the end of the day, you know, I got employed again by Car Magazine. And, you know, in, in England, that was kind of the holy grail was to go and work for Car. But the nice thing was, you know, when I stopped working, the cash flow was sufficient. that I ended up with a nice car in the bank at the uh, uh, or a nice car in the garage at the end of it. So it was good. I mean, it was, it was a good experience. And, and I think, you know, it also taught me that, you know, if you're a freelance journalist, it's a precarious existence at the best of times. So, you know, whenever I've been in a position to employ freelancers, I've always been reasonably sympathetic to their case, basically, and at least given them an answer quickly rather than, you know, prevaricating, which is what a lot of people who've never been self-employed do. So, Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is a, a common thread through people that, you know, work somewhere and then things are going a little awry and they're trying to figure out how do we save the ship and so forth. Uh, in the case of, of that situation, I know you were right on the cusp of signing a deal and owning the publication, and then that whole thing falls through. But it sounded like another door opened up that you didn't even see was an opportunity at the time. Is that the way you, you see it now looking back? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, a previous colleague was you know, came up to me years later and said, oh, it was a shame you didn't buy the magazine because you'd probably been a millionaire by now. But I'm like... At the end of the day, great, but I didn't buy the magazine, and I'm not, so but it's not really a point of yeah. conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you never know. When an opportunity falls apart, there may be another one, so put your head up and look for it, and uh, there you go. In your case, that's what happened. Let's have a little bit of fun and talk about your first really special vehicle, that first ride in your life that had great memory, and, and share uh, maybe a story or two about that car first special car. I mean, the first special car that I owned myself is a car I still have, actually. Um, it's a 1932, really? Aus 1932 Austin 7 
Ulster replica. So it's a little English sports car, two-seater, and I bought it um, from a guy who worked for my dad, uh, who's a big Austin 7 expert. And it was a kit of bits. I bolted it together. Kit of bits. I like the way he said that. A kit of bits. <laughs> and <laughs> Like I, a I dog's bolted, breakfast. <laughs> indeed. And I, I, I put it together with my dad, and my dad did, you know, I built the engine and we put it together. But he, he did all the difficult things like making fenders for it. That was my first personal race car. You raced an Austin 7. I did. I did a fabulous 1,080-degree spin at the bottom of the hill at Donington Park one year. <laughs> when that uh, was my name. <laughs> my future, my future wife raced it and put it on it on its roof. Uh oh. Well, <laughs> then after I'd, I'd, I must have sold it. I probably built it in the early eighties, ran it for a while, and then I sold it to buy my first Lotus, basically. And then probably in two thousand and five, thereabouts, uh, my dad rang my was talking to my wife for some reason, and he mentioned that the car was that somebody had rung him, and, and the car was up for sale. We were going back to England with the kids, and she met me at the airport because she'd been over there before me. And we went on this drive into the middle of nowhere in Oxfordshire in England. I had no idea why we were going, where we were going. And all of a sudden, we arrive in this uh, subdivision, and there's the Austin sitting there, and it was my old car, and she'd bought it back. And she bought it back basically for what she'd paid for it. And in the interim 14 or 15 years, it's kind of tripled in value, which is probably the best investment she's ever made. And the car, the car's now in the garage in Virginia. It's currently the back axles in bits, but it's been fun. It's been a really nice car. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's not very fast, but it's, it's just, and it's not, it doesn't like handle great or anything like that, but it's just, it's just a fun car. And, and I think the best, the funniest thing I ever had was we were, when we were in Ann Arbor, I entered it for a, a concourse in Ann Arbor and it won the Toyota Environmental Award because they said, well, it's been around, you know, 80 odd years or however long it was and sold aluminium and, you know, it's, the car's been, you know, rolling around for all that time. And my wife turned around and said, yeah, but you've seen the crap coming out of the exhaust pipe. So, <laughs> yeah, might maybe the wrong award for this car, but, uh, oh my gosh. Well, that's pretty cool. 32 Austin 732. That was the year my dad was born. So, uh, yeah, I, for those listeners who aren't familiar with that car, look it up. And when you, uh, think about him racing that car or his wife putting it on the roof, you'll kind of go, wow, pretty cool. <laughs> maybe not so cool on the roof, but, uh, We'll cut her a little bit of slack today. <laughs> Very cool. You mentioned Lotus as well. I did own a Lotus at one point in my life for about 10 years. I actually raced it, a Lotus 18 Formula Junior. So uh, well, That's what that I've got in the garage, right? I've got one of those really? in the garage right now. Yeah, yeah. You do? Well, very cool. I loved racing that car. It was a great starter car for me uh, for being into vintage racing because it was a momentum car, not p- terribly powerful, but great fun. Uh, and I ended up selling it to a guy named Mark Green who lives in England. So it I ended up going back to England. Yeah, yeah, yeah very wild. Like, yeah, I've had my 18 for 10 years, and I raced it for the first time this year, and it handles nice. as nicely as advertised. So, yeah, it's a nice car. Great fun car. I believe the great Jimmy Clark, his first open-wheel race car was a, a Formula Junior 18. So uh, I figure it was in, uh, if he could do it, I could do it. But uh, I didn't quite go on to the great proudness or prowess of racing that he had. So uh, he was a little faster than me, I think. Just a little bit. How about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle you've owned to let go that you wish you had back? Aside from that 32 Austin 7 that you did get back. Yeah, no, actually, I had a, I had a really good car, Brabham BT6, and it was, um, which is a Formula Junior, but this car had been raced 
1963 by David Prophet, first as a Formula Junior, and then he put a twin cam in the in the back. And so it raced in the South African Grand Prix in 1963 at East London, and it raced in the Rand Grand Prix. And I ran that car. It was quick. I mean, I ran it with a, a group called the HGPCA in England. And basically, they, they said the car was too quick. You know, I was beating people with fancy V8 cars. At uh, which point, you know, my argument was, well, that's not my problem. That's their problem. And, and one of the guys in charge said, well, we're not going to give you entries because if your engine blows up, it's only 10,000 pounds, whereas there's 50. And I'm like, well, difference is I won't be racing for a year, whereas these guys can, you know, they'll just bolt a new one in. You know, it's not like, yeah, the guy, the guys running a Lotus 25 haven't got the wherewithal to, to stuff a new Climax in it. So... I, I regret selling that car because it had really good history. And, you know, if I'd brought it to the States, everybody would have been totally chuffed to see it. And, you know, it would have run with the Formula Bs. And, you know, it'd be a good Monterey car as well because it actually has Grand Prix history and, and pretty car. And, you know, Brabham's are like Coopers. You just back them into the corners. And then Lotus has a fingertip cars and Coopers and, and Brabham's are more you know, uh, all arms and elbows sideways and, and, and just <laughs> yeah. fantastic yeah. to drive. So, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm here long enough and can build some money up. I'd like to try and track that car down and, you know, have it back in F1 trim again. Oh yeah. That sounds fantastic. Love those cars. Well, I know this year, this inaugural year for the Chattanooga Motor Car Festival, Volkswagen is the title sponsor, which is very cool to support this event like that. Tell us a little bit about what you expect to see and what has you excited about the Chattanooga Motor Car Festival. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, obviously we, obviously Chattanooga to us is a is a pretty special town. I mean, we, it's our U.S. manufacturing HQ. We currently employ about 3,800 people there. And we started building the Passat there in, in 2011. And actually, the factory came on stream just when I started actually you know, producing cars for sale. So Chattanooga is very special to us just because, you know, it's our manufacturing hub. And, you know, from, from our perspective, Byron DeFore, you know, uh, contacted us through Ken Gross, his well-known collector car figure. And um, we had a conversation. We thought, you know, it, 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 was, it felt kind of right for us to be involved and I think it's, it looks like the, the event's going to be great. I mean, we are also um, planning to launch the, the Atlas Crossport, which is the five-seater version of the Atlas uh, SUV over that weekend. So we're actually inviting media in on the Thursday night and then on the Friday, which is the first day of the Motorcar Festival. We're doing the reveal of the car um, in the Chattanooga factory, and then we're inviting media who want to stay over to stay over Friday or Saturday and take part in some of the events. So we're going to have Tanner Faust there with his Drift Passat to, to give rides to people. We will have some of our historic fleet there, which will allow media to go and drive. So it should be a great event. I mean, I like the idea of the, you know, the, 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 road, the road rallies sound great because the, the roads around there are terrific. It's really pretty. It'll be a great time of the year to do something with old cars in Chattanooga. So I think it'll be a really good, really good event. So um, we're looking forward to it. Um, and like I said, it's um, it's, a, it's a great town now. I mean, you know, it was a long time ago. People were like, oh, no, it's not, 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 you know, it's a bit depressed, everything. But now, you know, with all the companies that set up there and all the development, it's 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 a really cool place. Absolutely. Well, you know what? These kinds of events can't happen without title sponsors like Volkswagen. 
And uh, kudos to you and your team for stepping up and doing that and supporting a very cool event. This event seems really neat to me because they're going to have kind of a Goodwood-esque type uh, drive uh, there that'll be pretty cool where people can do a run up the hill and uh, enjoy themselves. So I would encourage listeners to go to ChattanoogaMotorCar.com and check it out if you're going to be in that part of the country, October 11th, 12th, 13th. This is going to be a very cool place to go. And congratulations also to Volkswagen for launching this new vehicle. I think that's a great venue to do it. Mark, up next is the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. When you want proven performance, there's one brand that's been around since 1938. That's Edelbrock, building the finest American-made performance products for the street and track. Edelbrock's products are designed and dyno-proven to deliver maximum results. Edelbrock has thousands of made-in-the-USA performance products for all makes and models. From their new AVS2 carburetor and innovative ProFlow 4 EFI for your muscle car or truck. To superchargers for your daily driver and more, visit edelbrock.com. To check out the latest products for your ride and when you're ready to check out, enter Cars Yeah in the coupon code and get 10% off your order. That's that's Edelbrock, automotive performance since 1938. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. All right, Mark, we are back, and I have a bit of an introspective question for you. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a vehicle, what kind of car would Mark be and why? Oh, my goodie. Um, you Brits have the funniest sayings. <laughs> I just love them. <laughs> yeah, they have a book around the office where they have Gillies-isms. Um, oh, I'll bet. <laughs> um, it's funny, the car that, my dad had for the longest time, and I uh, seem to have inherited, is a, um, a 1934 Riley, a British sports car from pre-war, and it's an Alpine rally car. It's a very, it's a very special car because they only built three of them, and they were kind of homologation cars. But I mean, I guess from my perspective, I, I think you know, if I look at cars, pre, you know, I love pre-war cars, and you know, Rileys to me are. Uh, the thinking man's Bugatti, if you see what I see what I see where I'm mm, coming from. Okay. So they have, yeah, they have performance. They have performance. They handle. They look good. They do everything pretty. They do everything pretty well. Nothing outstandingly. They're 
honest um, and not pretentious. So I guess that's where I come nice. from. <laughs> Nicely said. I like it. You're the first Riley here on Cars Yeah out of uh, 1,388 guests. So that makes you unique, Mark. Nicely said. We are entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some quick blips of that Riley throttle. So here we go. What's the best automotive or racing advice you've ever received? Basically, buy the best you can. You either buy a basket case or the best you can. Invariably, in the middle, it's going to cost you more money than if you'd spent the money in the first place. I mean, that's, you know, simple advice, but it's... Absolutely. uh, Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I've known so many people have gone down a rabbit hole of restoration. And unless you're very well healed, as they say, uh, plan on spending a whole lot more money than you ever dreamed of. How about a personal habit of yours that you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? I think I'm honest. So I think that's the main thing. Yep. How about a resource? There are so many these days, but is there one in particular you think our listeners would enjoy? There's so many rabbit holes with the interweb these days. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think if you're into... I think there's some books that people should look at if they're into cars. You know, I I like, like for instance, I mean, one of my favorite books is Grand Prix Greats by Nigel Roebuck, which is just a wonderful book about great racing drivers. And Nigel's one of my favorite automotive writers. So, you know, it's one of those things if you want to learn about true automotive greats in terms of the racing field, I think that's a really good book. That's one of my favorite books. You know, I think, you know, I love... Coopers, you know, and Cooper Cars by Doug Nye is a great book. And there's one other one that I would recommend, which is, and it's a really strange one. It's for anybody who ever wants to go racing. It's called The Castrol Guide to Motor Racing. And it was written by Doug Nye with Frank Gardner. And it's one of the funniest books I've ever read. But it's also a great way to introduce people how to go racing and some of the smart ways of going faster. Doug Nye, he's been a guest here on the show. He is, he is great. Uh, he's written in. And so many wonderful books. So uh, you kind of beat me to the book question, but I'm glad you did because those are great books. And of course, the car book, uh, Grand Prix Greats uh, by Nigel is another great one. I've got all those on my bookshelf. How about if I could arrange for you to sit down and have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased? Who would it be? If I could speak Italian, it would be Enzo, I guess. Enzo Ferrari, it'd have to be. Yeah, absolutely. He's a popular one here on Cars. Yeah, he and Henry Ford and Carroll Shelby, I think they're all right up there, somewhat equal, although Henry Ford seems to be the uh, go-to for a lot of people. All right, Mark, we are up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy, but it's a fun thought. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet. Doesn't matter who owns it or where it is. Could be a vintage race car, too, if that's what you want. I'm going to buy it for you and park in your garage, but there are some rules to this game that make it a little bit of a challenge. You have to drive it. No garage queens allowed. Uh, You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with, and it's the only one collector car you can have. So you need to be careful the way you choose because you're going to be stuck with it. What can I buy you today? It's a toss-up, and I've been lucky Uh to drive some really great cars. Uh, Funny enough, I was talking, I was at Pebble Beach, and I had a chat with Nick Mason, a Pink Floyd drummer who's got a great collection. And I've driven his GTO like a couple of times, no, three times actually. And it's a toss up between 250 GTO or um, an ERA. And the ERA is pre war British single seater. Um, they built 17 of them pre war. Looks like a baby P3 Alpha. And both cars, if you've got 
any driving ability at all, make you look like an absolute hero. And I guess, I guess, because I was watching ERAs and 250F Maseratis since again, I was knee high to a grasshopper. I guess I'd probably go with the ERA actually, just because it handles wow. so well, okay. looks gorgeous, yeah. fantastic thing. You know, it's it's. Um, I've driven five or six of them, and uh, you know, I'll be driving one in uh, at Goodwood uh, before this show airs. And I just, you know, love getting in that car. It's not, they're not cheap, but they're not cheap, but they're kind of, you know, compared to a GTO, you know, they're a 50th of the value of a GTO, but they're not a 50th of much fun to drive. So, yeah, yeah, ex- excellent. Well, I like the reasoning behind that. Tough car to go beyond as a Ferrari GTO, but the RA, absolutely spectacular. I've not had the pleasure of driving one of those, but I can only imagine that would be fun. Mark, you have taken us on a great ride today. Really enjoyed talking with you. I want to thank you for sharing your journey. Could you offer us a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off down the racetrack in that ERA? I guess it's the age-old thing. I mean, if you're given opportunity to do something, you know, just take it. It's uh, I wish somebody once said to me, you know, it's not a dress rehearsal. So you only get one chance to do this. And whatever your passion is, you know, try and follow it. You know, if your passion is building hot rods or um, it's getting into the automotive industry or, you know, whatever it is, uh, automotive related, you know, just, just follow the, the passion because um, that'll get you a long way. And, and I say, it's, it's, you only get one chance. You can't, you don't get a chance to live your life a second time. Um, I know people believe you do, but I haven't seen any evidence yet. So, so that's the way I look at Not it. Not yet. No, maybe at a different level, a different plane. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about Volkswagen these days and follow along with what you guys are doing? Yeah, I mean, the, the obvious one is uh, our website is www.vw.com. That's obviously the consumer site. But we also have a, a, um, a, a newsroom on that site. So we have stories that are of interest to even just regular enthusiasts, not just Volkswagen owners. You know, we had a really great story uh, a couple of years ago where we um, discovered a lady in San Diego who'd owned a 1967 Beetle since 1967, and she's a cancer survivor. And we ended up having the car uh, rebuilt for her down at the factory in Mexico. So, you know, that was one of the kind of I remember that story. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's the, the that's the consumer website, and that you can go there for all the information about our current products. But as I say, we also have the newsroom attached there, and uh, that's a really nice you know place to go and look for stories about the brand and about our products that aren't quite as obviously commercial, but will still get you into the brand. Can people subscribe there so that you'll send them the news right into their uh, email inbox? Um, I'm not sure we do that. I think you just, yeah, just have to go on the site and, and uh, go and visit. Okay, yeah, go visit. Yeah. Cool. Absolutely. I'll make sure I put a link to that on Mark's show notes page. And uh, make sure you go and check out the ChattanoogaMotorCar.com website for the upcoming Chattanooga Motor Car Festival that takes place October 11th through the 13th. It's going to be a fantastic event. Mark, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing your experiences with our listeners here. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you at the Chattanooga Motor Car Festival. Great. Thank you. Thanks. That was fun. You're welcome. Hey, Mark Green here from Cars Yeah. Did you know you can now see me 
on the Cars Yeah! TV show. It's a weekly visit to some of my past Cars Yeah! podcast guests, and I take you along for the ride. You go behind the garage door and into their lives, their businesses, and you get to see what makes them successful. With tens of millions of viewers, Cars Yeah! TV is making its mark. Cars Yeah! TV is available on MAV TV and Lucas Oil Racing TV. You'll find MAV TV on Direct TV, Fubo TV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through Lucas Oil Racing Television online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!